Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Buzz! 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 Welcome in to a, I guess the first, uh, off-season edition of At The Buzzer. We are still a Colorado Buffalo podcast that still covers... Everything you need to know about CU Athletics. And yes, today that does include a historic upset by the women's basketball team. I am Jack, one of the co-hosts and writers at Ralphie Report. Over there, um, I guess more local than ever, is Sam, another co-host and writer. Hello, Sam. Hello, Doc. How are you doing? Okay. I We're just talking. We both watched... Probably the worst national championship of all time uh, yesterday it, between Georgia and TCU. That game was just dead from the first five minutes um, and continued to die a horrific death. Not a fun game to watch. Not a fun game to watch. So sometimes a beatdown is, is fun because you're, you've never seen anything like it. Literally the biggest blowout in a bowl game ever. Yeah, I don't think this is one of those times, man. I don't know. It just <laughs> felt kind of gross. I, I I, mean, Kirby poured it on, which he probably should. They've had probably the best, one, if not the best, one of the best two-season runs in history. Um, And, it, you know, he, he wanted to finish strong. They did. But, good Lord, you just watch Stetson Bennett throw his million touchdown. And you're like, are we done here? Why, why are we still trying to play this game? They were eating chicken wings on the sideline during a live game. What? Are yes. you serious? Yes. Oh wow, that was yeah. after I turned it off. Yeah, that's that's how you know it was. Uh, it was not 
meant wow. to be for TCU. That game sucked. Um, I don't know. And Stetson Bennett is weirdly one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever if you go by a resume, right? Right? Uh, that has to be. Yeah, based on winning, sure. Yeah, winning. And, and I look, I am a Stetson Bennett hater for the most part. You know, it's easy to win when you're surrounded like he is with talent. But say what you want, dude. He won that Ohio State game for Georgia, and he produces when they need him to. He does what he needs to when they need him to. I, I he's. Yeah, he's, I mean, the yeah, he played great in the Ohio State game too. So, As, yeah, uh, exactly. It, yeah, it is easy to make fun of him for being just a game manager who gets credit for their just unreal talent all over the field. But I mean, Aaron Murray couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's of course not Tim Tebow, but I think there's some similar vibes. It's just like, you need someone who corrals all that stuff though. The defense is a little bit different there. I don't know, man. What's interesting is that Stetson Bennett is not eligible for the college football hall of fame because he's never been an all American. Yeah, I saw that. That's wild. So we will never, that'll be one of those weird athletic trivia questions. Um, I don't know. That game sucked, and honestly, what I was thinking, because I'm obsessed, especially at this point in the prime era, is this is like worst-case scenario for CU next year, who happens to open their season against TCU, and you don't want this taste in their mouth when they take the field uh, against the new CU team next year. Uh, Well, do we have any chance? Good segue. I was going to get there. <laughs> Um, and I, I happened to watch calls game day yesterday after I heard that Coach Prime, CU's, in case once again you have somehow missed this, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, is CU's head coach. It's incredible. Um, and as a part of that, somehow CU's head coach is now part of the calls game day crew for the national championship because that's the world we live in. Um, he mentioned, I thought it was a joke where someone said, oh, yeah, you're here for scouting because you used to open your season next year against TCU. And Coach Prime goes, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. And I was like, okay, funny joke. They're really good. I get it. Uh, and then says it again. They're like, well, you know, enjoy the game. Hopefully it's not too scary whatever. We're thinking about TCU next year. And he goes, I, I don't know. And they go like, well, who, then who are you replacing it with? And he goes, oh, I think Arizona State. Ha ha. And I'm like, is he just taking digs at how bad Arizona State's going to be? Like, what is happening here? Turns out, apparently, that is not a joke. That apparently, even though college football scheduling contracts are like a million years in advance because he's Deion Sanders, there is talks that Arizona State and CU are trying to get move their game up to a week zero game um, for both teams. So CU would not, in fact, open their season against TCU next year. They would open their season against Arizona State in week zero. And hmm. that is scheduled to be a game at ASU as it stands right now. I find it hard to believe that uh, CU will be going out of Tempe in late August because that sounds like a death warrant, but maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, and this is Arizona State under Kenny Dillingham, who they just hired from Oregon, and he is also similar to Dion in that he's a lot of hype. And what is he? Um, Is he the youngest coach? So I'm going to disagree with what you just said. He is extremely young, though. I would say that no one's similar to Dion, um, but oh, I would no, say. Oh no, I didn't mean it like like for like. Uh, but I would say that yet yeah, he is a first year head coach. CU and Arizona State, in terms of volume players, are the biggest teams in the transfer portal. So Arizona State okay. currently has nineteen transfers in. CU is at I believe seventeen. 
not including Shiloh Sanders. Um, so both teams will be brand new next year. New coach, new talent, new everything. Kenny Dillingham is a little bit different than Deion Sanders in that he's kind of like a prodigal son. He's from Phoenix. He, I believe, went to school at Arizona State. He's hiring coaches that have um, roots in the Arizona area, and a lot of the transfers are people transferring back home to Arizona that ASU is grabbing. So a little bit different that way. But, sim- yes, I would say that Arizona State is in a similar position of, like, all upside, no downside after how last year ended. Um, and that would be – some. I don't know. I, I've seen some – some CU fans express reservation online about this plan. I, I Before I ask your thoughts, I'm going to go on record and say I think this is literally best-case scenario, and if they somehow pull off an ASU Week 0, um, next year's season gets a lot easier. But I want to hear your thoughts first. Why, why is that? I want to hear your thoughts first. <laughs> You're just trying to bait me into having an opinion about No, this. no. I know that I rant, so I want to make sure that I get your opinion before I rant. Um, I think it'd be better than starting against TCU, in which I think we pretty much have no chance of winning. Okay. And uh, I, I am a little weary of Week Zero games, generally, because, um, I mean, it's one less week to prepare. It's one less week of training camp. This team will be... it's. Pretty much a bunch of strangers. So I've never played together. Um, by way of interrupting, but also yes, to inform, this is exactly the trap you said I was laying, and I swear it wasn't. But um, <laughs> what I what I learned from this saga is that it's not a one last week of training camp. NCAA allows you to get basically the allowance is four weeks of training camp, and if oh, you're okay. playing in a week zero game, that just means you start training camp a week earlier. I did not know that. Yes. So, okay. yes. Well, I, I did not know that until yesterday. So, there you go. Mm, okay. So, hmm. so, I guess it doesn't matter. I get, Are you concerned at all that it starts the Pac-12 season, like when the team might not be humming? The concern, yeah, the concern is that CU will most likely, in terms of teams – Next year, at least in conference play, CU will improve faster than every other team. You have to imagine because of how many new players and coaches there are. Literally a brand new coaching staff entirely. And all I mean, I, we're approaching rapidly 45 new scholarship players out of 85. Oh my so just in terms of raw numbers, you have to assume that CU will improve more throughout the season than almost any other team. So playing ASU later, once again, you have to assume that CU will be a better team and a more better team throughout the season than ASU will. However, they are also going under a similar transformation. But that that is a worry, yes, that um, playing a conference game so early in the season will cause could, – could turn an ASU game that would be what I would consider a projected win into a toss-up game. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be a concern. Um, let me tell you the a million re- the, the reasons I love it. I think yeah. it's a huge deal that you get an extra week of practice at the beginning of the season because that, that week of practice does not go away later, right? Like basically CU's adding a second bye week into the, the back half of the year. You still mm-hmm. practice during that bye week. NCAA is not taking away that week of practice. So 
you basically get an extra week of practice for this team, which is, I think, huge, given how we just talked about how brand new this team is to each other, right? You get to start earlier, which I think is also huge when you have other big contests. So I don't think CU is going to beat TCU in week one. I think CU has a better chance of showing out against TCU in week one if they play a week zero game. Because as most coaches will tell you, your team makes the biggest week-to-week jump between week one and two during a season. Like that, that is a pretty big jump. Um, and we are essentially making the TCU game week two, right? Yeah. So I, I, I think that puts them in a good position. And let's talk about the rest of the non-con. I mean, CSU, you better hope you win that game regardless. So let's not even think about that. But under a similar situation as CU and ASU, Nebraska is a brand new coaching staff, pretty new roster, also rebuilding. They're coming into Boulder next year in a, shall we say, ballyhooed uh, matchup. Getting an extra week of practice on them for that matchup, who cares about the TCU game? That one is also pretty important. So knowing that CU will have a, a week up pretty much on Nebraska sounds good to me. Um, and then let's talk about the final like overarching piece that I think I'm going to give credit to Ryan Koningsberg for thinking about before I saw anyone else thinking about it. TCU is on the road, right? Week one, we're going at TCU, going down to Fort Worth. What that means is the first game that Coach Prime coaches at CU is against the national runner-up, but more importantly, it means that the Big 12 owns the rights to that matchup because it's at TCU. That's a Big 12 game. This could be a conference initiative, or maybe it's a CU initiative, but changing that so Arizona State is the first game that CU plays and Coach Prime plays as a Pac-12 coach allows the Pac-12 to have those media rights. And if you believe some of the crazy rumors coming out about this game, they are not maybe, in fact, not playing in Tempe and maybe, in fact, playing in a neutral site location. And maybe that neutral site location is Las Vegas. Mm. And if that's the case, it's hard to be. think – of a cooler opening to Coach Prime's first season than a conference game in Vegas that the Pac-12 is just going to hype the absolute hell out of because they need to hype something, right? Like, so I, it, to me, if it feels like, and once again, shout out to Ryan Konigsberg and others for pulling a lot of the info, but I love the fact that it gives CU an extra week of practice at the beginning of the year for some pretty big non-con matchups. I love the fact that it gives CU a chance to be basically be the Pac-12 golden child within the media. Um, I love the fact that it allows me as a fan to hop a $150 flight to Vegas if I wanted to, to watch Coach Prime's first game. And I also love the fact that we're choosing Arizona State for that game, which is another brand new team that I feel like CU actually has a chance against. If this was like CU-USC week one, I'd absolutely hate it because yeah. USC is a, you know, they're USC. They're Caleb Williams coming back. They just got the best running back in the transfer portal. There's rumors that they're getting Marvin Harrison Jr. I don't want to touch that week two. what? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. So, like, I don't want to touch that until I need to. And, and allowing it to be Arizona State, I don't know. That makes it a really interesting start to the, the prime era. Um, and And it's hard not to think of this because we have now seen the impossible made possible by the mere hiring of Deion Sanders. If somehow CU beats Arizona State in week one, and if somehow CU beats TCU in week two, 
They are probably ranked going into that Nebraska matchup at home in week three. And if CUBCC week two, I'm telling you right now, or week one, I guess, I'm telling you right now, no one is telling me that Nebraska is being CU. If CU is 2-0 going into that game, I will be um, beyond measure. Jack, hype. I, I believe you're getting ahead of yourself. I'm. Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. This is all hypothetical. <laughs> Namely, thinking that we have any chance against the team that just lost the national championship. Right, but there's also Maybe we do. a large part of that group, but continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And lost at 65-7, to seven, but continue. And just beat Michigan. Yes, uh, they did. No, that's all I had to say. I think you're getting a little ahead oh, of yourself. Oh, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I, I should say I love the move. That's what I We'll see you be ranked <laughs> by week two. Yes. Yeah, pretend like I predicted it. Um yeah, I don't know. It's I, I just love the move, and I, I I don't know why, personally, just putting it myself in the other shoes and devil's advocate, I don't know why Arizona State's doing this. Um, if we do play in Tempe, it kind of makes more sense, but if it is neutral site, they're giving up a home game. They're, I, if I were them, I would feel less comfortable playing in week zero than I would later in the season because they're thinking the same thing that CU is thinking of. We are going to improve mightily throughout the season as opposed to at the beginning where they're still installing the offense and they're still getting everyone acquainted. I don't know. I, I really don't know why Arizona State would do this, but maybe that's just the power of prime. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they might just want the hype team too. Uh, do you know who their quarterback is? Their quarterback will oh, be Emory Drew Jones? Pine. No, it'll be Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer. Drew Pine. Okay, well, they just got Emory Jones, too. Emory Jones was there last year. Oh, I see. Was he good? No. In fact, he he got benched, and, and CU played against his backup, Taylor Bourget, who was way better, uh, and kicked our ass. So, Is Drew Pine good? Uh, you know, the Notre Dame hater in me says absolutely not. He was extremely average at best. Um, and then they replaced him with Sam Hartman. Yes, which is a huge upgrade. That was a, that's yeah. a big gift for Marcus Freeman. I'm just trying to say that I do know some college football things. Yes. Well, ever since you've become stateside, it's become easier. Um, yeah. I, I mean, we could talk about I, – I will have thoughts about the rest of Pac-12 as we get closer to the actual season. We are still at least eight months away, so – gross but um yeah it, it's a winnable game for CU and probably one of the few that you feel really good about um in, in terms of wins I think that Stanford and CSU are the three they're like all right prime should be able to win this one um and if you start with with ASU I, I don't know I, that's a good start to the season I think I think it's a pretty smart move yeah um, okay I'm on board with that happen the extra week of practice, man, is just so smart. Um, I don't know that. So that that dropped yesterday in the national championship. Um, now you may be wondering. We've talked a lot about the Arizona State roster and how that's turned over. Obviously, CU's roster is continuing to turn over as well. Um, and we are in the midst of probably some of the biggest weekends regarding that turnover. Um, so we're after the initial early signing day where CU signed. A, a pretty big and much improved class, but we are heading towards the second signing day and a big portion of the transfer portal recruiting right now. So, uh, Sam, I know you're not as much of a recruiting freak as I am. Have you have you heard anything about this weekend's crop, this past weekend's crop of transfers? Or am I have say? I read yes. Adam Munster Tiger's articles? At 247sports.com. I have not. 
Okay. I mean, so, so I mean, a lot now, a lot of the visitors have posted images, so I feel comfortable talking about the group, but um, pretty impressive group of visitors. And from what we can tell, and I hope I'm not blowing up Adam's spot next, this next weekend's group will be even more impressive. Um, so we are approaching crunch time here um, with, with recruiting and trying to fill up these last spots that, that CU has. Um, as of now, CU has the number one transfer portal class in the country which is due to quality and quantity. Um, there are schools, I would say, that have a higher average player. Like, I think Florida State easily has the best transfer portal class. I think they did absolutely incredibly. Um, but I've said this before, Florida State does not have the need to transfer over an entire 111 roster. And, C- and CU does. So for CU, I think uh, this is the best class possible because it is a lot of players <laughs> that are upgrades. There aren't they aren't they don't have the insane quality that Florida State has, but there is still very good quality, and there's a lot of them. Um, so CU has the number one transfer portal class in the country right now. They're continuing to add to it. This weekend's visitors included some players that are transferring, like Cavosier Smoke, who was a Kentucky running back for years and years. Um, is How do you basically Cavosier Smoke. Cavosier is K-A-V-O-I-S-E-Y, I believe. And then smoke is normal. Um, and he is a sixth-year running back who is what you would call a muscle hamster, right? 5'8", 220. Uh, kind of like a third down. I don't know. It's like I'm Mike Tolbert me. vibes. Mike Tolbert vibes. Interesting. No. Swing again. Swing again. Mike Tolbert is massive. He's not Mike Tolbert. I, I don't think he's Mike Tolbert. I'm saying Mike Tolbert vibes in that he has really good hands out of the backfield, but he's also oh huge. okay, okay, sure, sure, sure. Um, so he visited his, this weekend. Um, there's some other semi big visitors this weekend. Um, a Florida offensive lineman committed on a that was on a visit this weekend. Yes, Yusuf Mukharbil. Yes, yes. Um, who actually made national headlines. He was in a pretty crazy accident as a freshman um, where a semi-truck ran him over when he was on a scooter. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. And he had, I believe, no injuries past like a scraped back, but the semi-truck what? driver went to the hospital. Um, something like that. Anyways, he, he redshirted that year. Um, wow, that's intense. I think San Jose State or another team just had a player die like that. Yes, it was a San Jose State player. Um also on a scooter. Yes. So he he was recruited by Tim Brewster, who is now CU's tight ends coach at Florida, and he is now coming to Florida. He was part of this visit weekend. Um, he's not necessarily a transfer. Well, he is a transfer, but from a D2 college. Isaac Tesla um, is one of the most fun highlight tapes of all time. If you want to take a look, he's a wide receiver, former quarterback who played at Hillsdale College in Iowa. Um, a lot of a lot of people want him from the transfer portal. He's like 6'4", 210, um, and his catch radius appears infinite. So it's fun to watch him against these other D2 Iowa players, and he just realizes he's bigger, faster, stronger, and more athletic than everyone out there. Um, so if Daniel Arias like played D2? <laughs> if Daniel Arias played D2 uh, and could make consistent one-handed catches, yes. Oh, sick. Um, he visited this weekend as well. Uh, but this is apparently the appetizer. So um, CU is continuing to try to finish strong. 
with transfers, a lot of room left, I guess. Um, but it's, it continues to, I don't know. The excitement is crazy. CU is losing battles. Let's be clear. It's not like Coach Prime is winning everyone he wants. Um, there was a recent running back who entered the portal, um, Brian Batty, who was from USF, appeared to have a connection with CU because his former teammate, Jimmy Horn Jr., transferred earlier in the cycle um, from South Florida, obviously. Jimmy Horn Jr. was tweeting at him, and he ended up committing to Auburn before he could even make it out to CU. So mm. that would be an example, in my mind, of a, of a battle that CU lost. I think CU did want Brian Batty. Um so it's not like it's going perfectly, but uh, it's hard to overstate the difference between where we were recruiting and where we are now recruiting. Um, yeah. So thank you to the admin for making that happen. Of course, thank you to the best recruiter in the country being our head coach. Um, could you – are you done with recruiting updates? Uh, I, yes. Okay. Um, could you talk to me about I'm, – I'm kind of making a projected depth chart. Okay. And I'm hard, noticing hard right now. So about 22. Okay, so 22 positions. I see about 15 new starters. <laughs> something I would like call that. that low, but continue. That's low. I would guess that we have at least 19 new starters next year. Okay. Yes. Can I ask about a couple players? Is Do it. J- Jalen saw me. He's coming back. Believe so. He has not mentioned anything, but I believe okay. so. Trevor Woods should be a starter. Trevor Woods but, is coming back. Um. And then <laughs> Jordan and, and Tyson. Trevor Woods is a person that I'm assuming is a starter next year. Yeah. Um, Jordan Tyson should come back, but he will be hurt for a decent part. Oh, of that's right. What was his injury again? Uh, some mixture of torn up knee and broken leg. Something oh, happened. That's horrible. Yes. I, it, it's a really hard was, one. I didn't know it was that bad. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> is Tommy Brown back? I know he was a senior. Tommy but... Brown is likely not back, but we don't know. Okay. And then I guess the last starter that I was even thinking about uh, would be Naeem Rodman. Uh, you missed one, um, but Naeem oh. Rodman will be back, I hope, and will continue to play a part, part in the rotation, I hope. Okay. I can't I imagine he would be like runoff or anything. Yeah. Okay. He'll be rotation. Um, I, I would call him a legit Pac 12 player. So, yeah. And then, I mean, Nico Reed and Kalen Moore, I assume, will stay as depth. Kalen Moore is at Cal. Um, oh, what? Yes, oh, kind of under know. the radar. Kind of went under the radar, yeah, okay. but yeah, he entered the transfer portal and immediately committed to Cal, which is his, his second school out of out of high school. And okay. I hope he does well there. I love Caleb Moore, but um, I think he saw the DB writing on the wall. Um, who's the other one? Nico Reed is staying. Nico Reed is staying and likely playing some. I don't know where. I don't know how often, but he will be playing. I think the most surefire returner and starter that you missed is Van Wells at center. Oh, yeah. Okay. Van Wells was a freshman All-American last year and, uh, well, he played pretty well. And you don't, yeah, you don't run off freshman All-American. He will play. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. And then, will uh, the returning running back still be in the rotation like Anthony Hankerson, Charlie Ockdell, Victor Van? I don't know. I, we don't know. I guess Ben was never, never – he redshirted last year. Um, yeah, okay. But he, he's talented. We don't – yeah, I have no clue. I mean, no one was, I think, set to leave leave. Um, and I would imagine that Hankerson is, is a total keep, given that he was young and showed promise. But I don't know. I We don't – running back appears to be the uh, position that CU 
is trying to upgrade, but has not yet upgraded. Hence the Cavosier smoke visit. Hence the Brian Batty interest who that and he ended up committing elsewhere to Auburn, like I mentioned. I would bet that we're going to see some new names at running back. And of course, Dylan Edwards, the incoming freshman, is going to play. Yeah. And then uh, Montana Lavonius Craig, I assume, will play if he stays. Uh, I think he will be staying and I think he will be playing. But wide receiver is another one of those positions that CU is still continuously looking at transfers mm-hmm. and trying to add players to. Yeah, because so far, so we have Jimmy Horn and then we yes. have the uh, freshman Omarion Miller and then Adam Hopkins, who I guess, like, they're good, right? But you can't really count them through freshmen. You don't want to. Um, and there were some other players from Jackson State that I assumed was coming in with Prime that ended up not coming. Kevin Coleman is a guy that played a lot, looked really good, is really fast, high recruit. He ended up coming to Louisville after he entered the transfer portal last week, um, which is upsetting, but it's hard to blame any wide receiver for looking at Jeff Brom's offense and saying, I should do that. Um and another one that entered the transfer portal from Jackson State is Shane Hooks. And we've heard literally nothing about Shane Hooks. Um, but Jimmy Horn Jr. is the only proven college football player that has transferred in at the wide receiver position. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are actively looking for people like Isaac Tesla and others. They are they are looking for guys they can just slot in there. Another name to look out for is Xavier Weaver, who also played at USF next to Jimmy Horn. He's one of the school all-time leaders in catches and touchdowns. Um Looks like Arkansas is really in on him. Auburn kind of wants him. There's some there's some smoke that he likes to see you. We officially offered, but nothing after that. So we don't know. Um, so I do. I, I think I have a broader question. Okay. Regarding a team that will probably bring in like 19 new stars. <laughs> yes. Um, I realize we just went 1-11, and had maybe the worst season yes. in CU history. Yes. How do you tell fans like, if, if it's, like, such roster fluctuation, like, does it feel like it's still your team if you don't see these players develop into starters? Or do you uh, just... That's a good question. I, a good philosophical sports question, I guess. Um, boy, I'm going to answer this. I'm going to start in answering this in the worst way possible. Um, there is a bit that Jerry Seinfeld does where he talks about sports. Um he talks about professional sports specifically, where he says he finds it stupid that, like, fans will burn jerseys or get mad when people leave their team mm-hmm. or whatever. Because he says, like, in the end, especially with pro sports, where all you're doing is rooting for clothes. Like, you're just rooting for the uniform. There's no – like, if you're actually mad that the players you like are leaving your team, then you're just – yeah, you're basically just rooting for, I like the Mets uniform, so I'm going to root for the Mets or whatever. Which mm-hmm. is obviously more to it than that, but he's a comedian. Oh, you're comedian. rooting for laundry. Yeah, you're rooting for laundry. With a so I think philosophically, especially as we get into more whatever we call this, free agency, and I mean agency in the true sense of the word, I appreciate that college players are getting more agency. Like I think that's a good thing that they can choose more about their future. Um that does obviously lead to questions of like I was actually just talking about this the other day. Um I don't think we'll ever see anything from any team like the 2016 CU season again in college. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever see something like that because now you'll have people like Tedrick and Cheeto Bay at coming off of a two win sophomore year season, get offers for more money, better playing time and better chance at the NFL somewhere else. And they should and will take that. Um, but the 2016 season is also really, really special because everyone did not do that. Right. Like, 
that's part of what makes it special, I think. Um, so it's a weird, I don't know, it's a weird thing. I think also um, more than half of the top 10 teams had transfer quarterbacks. Yes. And to even have your own quarterback and develop them is quite something. And to even, like, imagine if we had been recruiting Davis Webb while Cephal Lufa was deciding whether or not to return. We did exactly that, but continue. No, I mean, no, I'm saying with instant transfers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, maybe it's just not. I think my answer to this question is if the team was better, I think it would kind of hurt <laughs> to see everybody just get replaced. But this team um, bad. Yeah, and I'll, I'll be honest, too. I, what helps me sleep at night um, about this is the fact that uh, CU just got absolutely raided last year. So I feel mm-hmm. less weird about it this year. Like, how many players did CU lose last year that were people that CU developed or were starting to develop? And Yeah, like having- 20. And those right. were... Good players. Right. Brendan Gonzo is a had top a great 10 year. pick. Yeah, Christian Gonzalez. And then Mark Perry just started in the national championship, and he wasn't even that big of a loss for us, honestly. Um, yeah, and, and yeah. so it's – I don't want to say you're rooting for clothes because it's, I think especially with college, there's so much more of that connection. Like, you know, we both were four years on campus there, or at least I was four years on campus there. So there's, like, just an innate – connection to the actual laundry as we talked about um but it does make it harder unless you're like a a weirdo like me and you love recruiting and the drama with recruiting so you kind of already know the players before they step on campus it's harder to form a connection that quickly um and it really becomes about like are you good or not right so i don't know it's it's and i i i guess by way of transition, I think what's nice is if you are more um, interested in that traditional student athlete development aspect, there is a program at the other building that CU plays games in that does that better than anyone else in the country. So um, I would go recommend, I would recommend watching some of their games. Um, <laughs> so we just had a pretty big week. Uh, well, maybe it would have been a pretty big couple of weeks, if not for one snafu. Um, but see, they just blew the doors off of Oregon. Beat them. Uh, let me pull up. 68-41, is that right? Uh, yeah, 68-41. Oregon, Oregon State. Okay. Oregon. Oregon. Okay. Oh, and then they went out. And then Oregon State put up a much better fight. Uh, 62-42. <laughs> and CU's defense, I think, like, the 83 points allowed in, like, two games. I think Adam wrote that it was one of the biggest uh, – like the least amount of points scored in a two-game span in a very long time. Since the 1940s, yes. Okay, yeah. When CU was a real national power and went to a Final <laughs> Four. Um, um, yes. Yeah. Both, both of home. those offenses both of those offenses are horrible. Oregon and Oregon State. Terrible. Terrible. Um, but, 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 but. You can and by see the Sam. way, for those inquiring minds, see, Sam and I were both briefly on press row uh, for the Oregon game. I was on press row. You just came by and said hi. <laughs> we were both briefly on press row. That's how I'm going to call it. Um, so we were both in the building. Mm-hmm. Um, I expected a better game. I'm not going to say I'm disappointed. 
Spread um, was two and a half, by the way. So if spread is pretty much just you're at home, you're gonna win. Yeah, and I uh, told our editor maybe don't bet on the line because we don't know if Steve was any good. And we didn't know if KJ Simpson was hurt, which he was in fact hurt, and he did not in fact play. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, what Kurt Vonnegut said: "There's nothing intelligent say about a massacre." Oh, is that what he said? That's a good, <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Uh, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to, even to talk about with that Oregon game. Okay, other than, so uh, I'll, I'll rant whenever you. Yeah, go go ahead. I, I was just going to say that, like after the Stanford and Cal games where. So you really struggled on defense. Tad got on their asses about playing defense and rebounding. Uh, and they were really committed to that. And he was really happy with the team, just generally. Like, you could hear on the clips, uh, on audio clips and everything. So, you know Tad's happy with the team when, at the Oregon game, we were, once again, in the building, and there was a timeout where this guy, there was, a, like, they, it was one of those marketing things, and... Uh, one of the real estate guys, one of the real estate companies had like a sink a putt across court to win a hundred bucks. And then you can sink another putt to win a thousand bucks. I think is how it went. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was during a timeout. So presumably the coaches are busy. Um, but at this point in the game, it was pretty much well in hand. The, the guy, this guy comes up wearing a CU bowler hat and just nails these putts. No problem. Across the court, goes into the door of this like fake little house, standing ovation. And once again, we both watched Tad just kind of like turn during his timeout and like give a fist bump to this dude during a coach's timeout. I was like, hell yeah, man, nice putt. And then all the, the team came in, like high five him. Yeah. And that's how you knew it was going well. <laughs> when when Tad is like just straight up congratulating a, a guy who won 1100 bucks at the game during a timeout. Yeah, he, he was happy. He was happy. Um, and he, yeah, it, th- those games went incredibly well. Um, and, and this team is, we've said it before the season, they will be young and they're going to win games. They're not supposed to win, which they have, and they're going to lose games and not supposed to lose, which, oh my God, have they, I just, it's really, really hard as a fan to not look at the Grambling and Cal games and just be like, what the hell? Why? If we didn't do, if we didn't lose those two games, man, we're ranked. I swear, I swear. If we don't lose those two games, we're ranked. Rambling and Cal, I don't think we're ranked. I think so. College basketball is weird this year, dude. Like, there's not that many good teams. I think if CU, I would put it, CU is what fourteen and four, with a win against Tennessee on the road. Yeah, yeah. We still have. have oh, sorry. If I'm echoey. Um, we still have some head scratching losses elsewhere. Uh, Boise State's I mean, not the bad I mean, loss. I'm going to say that right now. Boise State's a good team and not a bad loss. Uh, what about UMass? UMass is the one, but you can deal with the UMass loss and still be ranked. Okay, fair enough. Um, but then the ASU loss is forgivable. Whatever they're doing well. Um, I don't know about the Washington loss. That's kind of bad. Um, Washington is a is it, that's a tier B game or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Quad okay. B. Um, Okay, okay. So, if if Cal didn't happen. So, let's say, let's pretend that CU actually played basketball for the first 34 minutes. I hate Haas Pavilion, dude. That place sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> man, we looked really good against Stanford, too. They yeah. only got carried. They only got carried because the refs were blowing the softest whistle I've ever seen. Yes, I agree. And Harrison Ingram was limited to two points. So congrats to Nick Clifford on that accomplishment. 
Oh, did you um, see? So you know Oregon's five-star centers? You know they have three five-star centers on the team? I know they have Nate Biddle. Is Dante and Fale Dante a five-star? Yep. And Kalel Ware is a five-star. I did not know pick. that. Okay. Um, they combined for seven points on 13 shots. Uh, and we, that was... we are rapidly approaching Brennan Lewis levels for loss and leveling on this podcast. Oh, no, no, no. I was about to say that was with loss and leveling barely playing because of foul trouble. In the first half, loss and leveling played a lot in the second. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess once the game was out of reach. Um, yes. Uh, but he picked up his fourth foul with like 16 minutes left in the game. Yeah, I still, I don't know. I'm watching him in person too. I, I am going to defend him so hard. Yeah, I he's get, great. I, I understand, especially watching that game. Holy shit, dude. Like, if the guy had any sort of hands, we're in a good spot. If he could pick, if he could like catch a, a pick and roll pass for Julian Hammond once, he has ten points. Julian Hammond was given him pocket passes all night, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. just could not catch one. And awesome. yeah, that's that's frustrating because you're thinking, dude, you're seven foot, just do the easy part. The rest of it comes. But then you um, watch him in person on deep. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm just. I was just saying, watching him in person on defense. Straight up, like shoving Clifford and De Silva into the right spots and calling out every single pick and roll and calling out every single switch. He's just so important to that side of the ball. Like, it's very rare that CU has that level of vocal leader on defense. I think Batty did that somewhat, but Batty also was more of a one on one defender. Lawson Lovering's doing that and also picking up every drive that gets past the perimeter defense and also shading on Tristan De Silva's man because Tristan De Silva generally is not interested in playing physical post defense for 40 minutes a night. So like his defensive impact is just incredible, I think. Um, And his wide tab will play him as much as he can. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, we have no backup center besides Tristan playing small ball five. And Luke. (laughs) And Luke O'Brien. Luke played so hard. He was going crazy that game. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Career high 11 rebounds. Did you hear his post game comments? No. Luke? Yeah. No. He he basically said, I think it's just the Pat Rooney, but he said, I didn't realize he had zero rebounds against Cal. Oh. Um and and that that was what basically did it for him is he said, I, I looked at that and, and coach challenged me saying that's not acceptable. So I decided mm-hmm. he basically said, like, I know that's not acceptable. So my personal challenge was I don't care if I shoot zero shots, I'm gonna board the hell out of the ball. And uh, I mean Good. He boarded oh, the hell out of the ball, man. He's too athletic to not get rebounds. No, he's definitely sneaky athletic and kind of a coach's son, first in, last wide. out kind of guy. Okay, thanks. <laughs> 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 he, he might be one of the best athletes on the team, though, like for real. Uh, besides Quincy, maybe. He has an argument. Um, we both watched them, dude, and Quincy, I think, has the ability to be the most athletic guy, but... If you don't show it on the court, I don't count it. And, and Luke O'Brien shows it every single time. And Quincy Allen does not. So I'm not counting that. Um, I, I did want to give a shout out to Julian Hammond because, uh, as we mentioned, KJ Simpson was out against Oregon. Uh, no problem for Julian Hammond, uh, who has so much poise and he's so skilled in the pick and roll. Again, like he only had three assists, but that should have been more if Lawson could catch and finish. Yep. Um, we Seriously, are, incredible we are, pick and roll passer. We are very spoiled to have two point guards like that. Like, I, I don't, I know Hammond's not, maybe he's not going to show that all the time. He's had bad games this year too. He's had yeah. games where he was unplayable this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's still I mean, young. He's a sophomore. 
Mm-hmm. And he's still like this is his second year playing only basketball. Uh, but, so good. Some of those, I mean, you said he only had three assists, but how many times did see you get an open drive from the top of the key because on the pick and roll, he made the right pass at the right time to the corner, who then swung it, who then swung it, and then mm-hmm. you get Tristan De Silva one on one against a guy who's too slow or too small, and then he goes for thirty points. Yeah, I mean, he he completely picks apart the Oregon defense. Yeah. Um, and next year, I mean, if we have KJ and then Cody Williams as a ball handler, um, Hammond's still like great spot up shooter, great playmaker when you need him to be. That's a really nice thing to have on your bench. By the way, have I made you play this game yet? What game? If you go to nbadraft.net right now. Oh, shit. No, don't trust nbadraft.net. Remember, but they had like. Play this game for me. Go to nbadraft.net right now and change the year to 2024. Oh, I see. Hang on a second. Just for uh, my own sanity, this is probably the worst uh, mock draft. And I, hope, and I hope you're right. And I hope you're right. What, I have to look for KJ Simpson? 2024. 2024, sorry. Just, just, look at, just look at the first round. Top of the first round. <laughs> All right. <laughs> for the listeners, the currently projected number one overall pick oh, they, can, they can do this. They can do this exercise themselves. <laughs> okay. Well, regardless, it's someone on CU's team. Um, and... It's exciting, but also, like I said, I hope you're wrong because I hope we get more than one year, though I'm starting to doubt that. Um, so all of this to say the Oregon-Oregon State games were an example of what this team can be. And uh, unfortunately, I also think the Cal game is an example of what this team can be. <laughs> um, and that's just what's going to happen this year. Like, CU is pretty much out of tournament contention because you cannot have a loss to Grambling and Cal. You just cannot have a loss to Grambling and Cal this year. Um, I will say Cal is undefeated in 2023 and absolutely demolished Stanford after we played them. Oh, but, did they? Yes, they won 92 to 70 and they shot 80% from three-point range. Fun fact. Wow. Um, but you just it can't do it. a little better. No, it, it's you – you can't have it. So frustrating that you followed that up with two impeccable performances and KJ Simpson came back against Oregon State and had a relatively quiet game. I think he had six One points. One eight shooting. But still, like, what, seven boards and six assists? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We, we, it's, Tristan also balled out against Oregon State, too. He had 30 points against Oregon, 17 against Oregon State, Pac-12 player of the week. I think what we've learned is that this offense works when you force Tristan to hunt his shot. And I think he's getting more comfortable with that. But when you make Tristan look for shooting 20 attempts a game, 15 attempts a game, this offense is smooth. Yeah, um, and if you need KJ to play hero ball, he will gladly play hero ball. Right. Uh, you just have to probably contain that a little bit. Well, so that's the thing is is you you work first to make Tristan the first offense, and then KJ can hunt his shot, and if he's feeling it, then CU is really, really hard to beat if those two are, are on it. Yeah. The caveat to that is someone has to be interested in playing defense, and that's how you deal with Cal scoring 80 points and then Oregon and Oregon State combining for 80 points is if they're not interested in playing defense, it's basically loss and levering one on five, and that's not going to work. So um, shout out once again to a guy that I've yelled at a lot uh, this year. Nick Clifford had a great two games against Oregon and Oregon State, I think. Um, Efficient offense, solid defense, plus rebounder, which is really what we need from him and Luca Bryan is rebounding the ball. 
Um, and and I've said it before, I'll say it again, the Clifford as a, a pure athlete is, I think, in that conversation with Quincy Allen is the best on the team. And when you watch him sometimes, he just looks like an NBA player. Um, but other times he just looks unplayer, unplayable at this level. And it's just hard to figure out what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving ahead to USC, UCLA. How do you feel about this road trip? Or I guess, um, UCLA is incredible. Um, and well-known favorite of Sam and I, um, yeah, they're number four in Kempom right now. Yeah, and Hawkes is solid. Uh, they've gotten some good stuff out of their freshman big. Amari Bailey should be coming back from injury relatively quickly. Jalen Clark is exactly who I want him to be. Um, he's amazing. I don't know. I That is not anywhere near expected in terms of a win. Um, we did beat the number two Ken Palm team on the road. That's true. And, and I will say, historically good at defense team on the road. Tennessee this mm. year at defense on defense is the best defensive team that Ken Palm has measured, I believe. Well, this must have been before they were clicking. Um, but you, you, UCLA does, has – they almost lost at home to USC, which maybe we should be a little more scared of USC. Nope. And then they almost lost at home – or on the road to Washington State. Um, and the, their offense can struggle a little bit at times. Um. But, I mean, obviously, they're a great team. They're a really good team. USC, I refuse to be scared of as long as Andy Enfield is the head coach. Um, And they might be good. I think Boogie Ellis is really fun to watch. I think Drew Peterson is a really interesting um, piece. And their freshman big, Josh Morgan, is one of the best in the country, not only the conference. Yeah, he's a junior. Um, He's a what? He's a junior. Oh. Who's the freshman on that team? They have some crazy freshman. Um, well, I mean, like, Joshua Morgan is, like, he has a really high block rate. Yeah, he's eighth in the country in block rate. Yeah. 6'11", massive wingspan. Yep. Hangs around the paint. He could pose problems the same way Anyeka Okongwu did against us. Um, and then Drew Peterson is definitely someone who I'm afraid of if he gets hot. Uh, because well, he does. That, but that's USC's whole team, right? It's the same thing yeah. with Boogie Ellis. If Boogie Ellis isn't yeah. hitting threes, their offense is just disgusting. Like, it's just not good. Um, so I don't know. I'm not scared of that. I think Ken Palm has that as a close loss for CU. If they can flip that into a W, this yeah. season's going to get even more frustrating. So, oh, they went to overtime against Tennessee. USC did. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I would be very happy with a split. Obviously, uh, I actually, I, I'm hoping for a split. I'm hoping we beat USC. Um, and then we host Washington and Washington State the next week. Are you feeling good about that? No, I'm not feeling good about any team um, with CU this year, but I think that those are two team, two games that CU should win. Washington mm-hmm. State just went down to Arizona and beat Arizona at home, um, mm-hmm. which is like the second time that happened under Tommy Lloyd. So they can beat anyone, and they appear to be peaking right now. And Washington is always a, a gross matchup for CU. Um, under Mike Hopkins and running this weird zone. Um, so no, I don't feel good about it. That it is totally possible. See, goes zero and four in the next four games. Also, it's totally possible, possible the see goes three and one. So I don't. It's possible we go zero and six because we go Oregon, Oregon State after this. So this could be possibly the most important six game stretch in the season. 
Yeah, man. It's it's just terrible that uh, I cannot rely on any game as a win for this for this team. Like, really, you just see Cal at home, hopefully, Stanford at home, hopefully, and that's pretty much it in terms of sure wins. You'd hope Oregon stay on the road because they suck so bad. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this season is kind of progressing as we talked when we talked with Ben Burroughs before the season. We all kind of said like, I don't think this team is ready for the tournament. What we want to see is growth this year, and that's kind of what I'm seeing for the most part. Some some people have not grown like I wanted them to, but. Um, I don't know. I, I, it feels like this year is going to end with KJ Simpson being a sometimes frustrating, really promising point guard. Tristan De Silva being an incredible offensive weapon that needs to work on rebounding. Lawson Lovering growing into a defensive force who still needs offense. You know, go down the list. Like it feels like it's going to be a year where they all got better, just not fast enough to make the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I, I, to me, that makes you really excited about about. What's coming yeah, next yeah, year? Because, so. because if, if consistency is what you're missing and you have all the flashes, great. Let's keep let's keep working at it. Especially if like this team too, if they figure out that the best way to be consistent is to work hard on defense, I think they'll figure it out sooner than later. Yeah, and you know, we've I think I've said this maybe on live on air, but the beautiful thing about the TAD program is that it's almost it's so much player initiated and player owned. Um, and the terrible thing about that is it's player initiated and player owned. So like if the players are off, you're going to have weird games. And that's kind of why it feels like Tad's, especially when the teams are young, like the performance varies so much is because there's so much freedom and ownership given to the players, which allows them to have incredibly high highs and great points um, when it works. And, you know, your, your whole job is in to mitigate the, the bottom part, but that's, that's just the program that he runs. It's all player led. Um, so you hope that this year is, is when the players learn like, Oh yeah, I need to care about defense literally every single practice all the time. And that's how we win games. And if they can figure that out on their own without Tad just yelling at them about it all the time, that's when it gets like really fun, really, really fun. Um, do you got anything else? I don't think so. Bay and Dongo announced his decision yesterday to Rutgers, another Colorado prep big man. CU graduate commitment from a son IG up, but Bay and Dongo is right there. And I think he's a really fun guy to watch. I always like watching Colorado kids in college basketball. So watch for Rutgers next year in the next few years. And Dongo is really athletic and I guess has like potentially really skilled. He's kind of an interesting big guy. So um, congrats to him. Okay. Yeah, well, then I'm done. I'm done. All right, take care, Jack. Go Prime. Buzz! Buzz! Buzz!